Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community, match by match, player by player, story by story. You guessed it, fam. Today we are joined by 19-year-old phenom and LAFC midfielder Bryce Duke. The pride of Peoria, Arizona, this former Real Salt Lake and Barcelona Residency Academy player, has made nine appearances for the black and gold across all competitions. After his 62nd-minute debut in our Conca Champions Clash with Leon in Guanajuato, Mexico, he has logged 141 MLS minutes this season for the Los Angeles Football Club and has been kind enough to join us today. Bryce Duke, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. We'd like to catch you up, fans. We know it has been a while since we've seen you. Uh, eight 2020. weeks. Oof, eight it's, weeks. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. But in that eight weeks, our little pod fam here has grown. We have some fantastic news on that, but I don't want to steal the thunder from you. Christian, lay it on us. Yeah, no, I mean, part of the reason, one of the reasons, I guess, uh, I've been MIA, um, and we've all been busy, but... Uh, we we welcomed the new son into the Aparicio household. So he's uh you know he's making a lot of noise and eating lots of food and sleeping lots. So keeping us busy for sure right now. So definitely a new chapter in in the LAFC household here. And can't wait to to have him fit into that little onesie we received from you, Jonathan. But. Yeah, he's doing well. Mom's doing well, so can't complain. It's just a lot of lack of sleep right now. Uh, it's the only only thing that uh, I wish I wish was better. But yeah, that's what I hear. Hey, dude, it gets it gets better, right? It, I mean, my my kids are five and three, and they still don't sleep. So I mean, I I keep hearing it gets better. So I'll let you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, congratulations. Congratulations, uh, little Professor X joining the Black and Gold fam. Happy to yeah. see. You, so great. Yeah, of course. I, you know, I started my master's program in July, so that's been keeping me busy. Uh, and that's all I got. My master's program is what's been keeping me busy. And what's your excuse, Jonathan? Uh, well, I also welcomed some babies into this world. Uh, my oh, three baby right. ducks, of course. Um, so my duck fam has grown here. I'm, I've almost got a starting eleven. I'm up to seven. So uh, I have uh, three little Swedish blues that were born over the course of the past two months. I've been raising. So takes takes a lot of work there, but certainly not as much as changing diapers. But uh, congratulations again on that. But it has been a crazy, crazy summer for all of us. Uh, again, isolation away from the games, not being able to go and support well from across the street. But but anyway, not being able to go and join the stadium fun, not being able to go on away days like we would normally expect. It, it has been a bit of a crazy summer for us. So from an LAFC perspective, boys, we have had a rough summer as well, too. Team has had some great wins and some very disappointing losses. I'm curious to hear what you guys think is sort of the state of the club at the moment as we head into this, the final phase before the playoffs. Some of my observations were when everyone was panicking, we didn't have a what I, I call full or quote unquote full squad. We still had a Twesta and Bella, and a Twesta is a big, big piece. Um, we've picked up other injuries since, but I felt like everyone was saying that the sky was falling. And to me, this is the type of year where with no supporters, there's no true home field. With eight out of 11 going through, all you really have to do is get into the top eight 
And the the real goal in my mind is get everyone healthy, get into the top four if possible. If not, it doesn't matter as much because, like I said, home field isn't a big component. The positive side is the way I see it too is you're giving youngsters the opportunity to have more minutes and also get a taste of defeat and hopefully feel badly doing so, right? Um, when I say that, I, there's a lot of little things that uh, made me upset for sure, like set pieces, or, or we've given away a lot of goals doing that. I think not sorting out the right back yet uh, and center back, the right center back, those things, I think things that are big deficiencies in the club. So throughout the stint, I wasn't so much frustrated with the losses because I thought we, the team dominated stretches of games and just the finishing hasn't been there. And that's that's been frustrating as well. The only game I was really, really frustrated was against the San Jose game where it felt like the last 15, 20 minutes, there was kind of a lack of effort or they thought, or LAFC thought that they had the game won in hand and they kind of let their foot off the gas and missed some sitters, and in doing so, give it gave the other team confidence and something to to play for, and that's where I think, uh, even with a twist of back, it didn't help. It didn't help that we didn't kind of stamp them out, put put them put them to bed, and then you know do what we usually do to San Jose, tell them to go home, pack your blue stuff, and take it out of our stadium. But now, like we we had a, a loss that wasn't in the cards i felt we watched the first 70 minutes of that game no we definitely failed to capitalize and as much as there have been some turmoil for lafc on the pitch there appears to be some turmoil off the pitch as well too with vela still being out atuestas in and out of the club and it appears as though we might be selling some players off as well too your guys thoughts on the current rumors around Raito and then most recently latif do you think there's any reality behind these rumors or any potential that these players might leave us there's always the potential we have known for a while now that uh rodriguez was sought after based off of his international play, not so much his domestic play. Um, you know, and he got the recent call up again with Uruguay and um, you know, it just shows that the national team values him as a person on their roster. And other clubs in Europe are going to want a young a young player like that. Um, especially if they feel that they might be able to do something different in his development that would maybe have him put more more goals in the back of the net uh, for their club, like he has done for his country. Uh, I think that Latif is also someone that is going to attract people. I'm not necessarily sure that the suitor is going to be someone in South America. I I I I just don't I don't know that much about the uh, the leagues in South America to know what is like a, a step up. Because ultimately, every player wants to play in Europe. So I don't know if the Brazil uh, top flight is a step up for the MLS or a lateral move for the MLS or how that would benefit him in his career. You know, Christian, I think you might be able to speak more on on the leagues in South America. But I, I think, and then even Rossi, right? Diego's, especially after, if he gets the golden boot this year, I really don't think that we're going to have Diego on the, on the squad next year. So we potentially could have two designated player spots open for the 2021 season. So I, I, I mean, but, and like uh, 
you know, we were talking in the group chat earlier. John Thornton has said we are a seller's club. So we need to get into, we need to get used to getting rid of players and selling them for a profit and not having the uh, sentimental attachment of these players being here their whole career. Those two slots open up just in time for Messi and Ronaldo. That's perfect for us. All right. Good to know. <laughs> right. Now, I, I mean, going back to your comment about South America, like Vasco da Gama usually does play in Libertadores. So that's a big cup, right? That's probably second to the Champions League internationally in terms of club competitions. So is it a step up? I think a lot of people would say so because Europe also recruits in Brazil and Argentina. It's not only here, right? It's just a new avenue where uh, Europe is coming to the MLS and we've sent players that have been proven and done well so far. So we've become a second market and a competing market. And if they pay Latif more too, or there's a significant transfer that comes over to LAFC, I think they'd consider it. I just think Vasco da Gama is probably in a moment where they want to shake things up and do better in the Brazilian league. And they see Latif as hard-nosed player that can play anywhere and maybe something that they need. Another rumors that, that I've heard that are unofficial is a lot of interest from the Spanish league teams in Atuesta. And I think if he comes back and rolls the second half of the season and, you know, we have a successful cup run, hopefully, I think he might be gone in the winter as well. So, uh, you know, my, my hopes are, going back to some of the comments I meant, I said uh, in terms of how the team is doing, I think that if we get healthy and we do kind of what Seattle usually does year after year where they're kind of middle of the road, but the team understands them, each other because they've been playing together for a few years and they get healthy at the right time and they get hot in the playoffs and then just run the table. That's kind of what they did last year. And they've done that the last kind of four years. They make runs deep into the playoffs when they're not necessarily in the top three seeds. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that, you know, all of this uh, turmoil up and down, uh, the taste of failure is a bad taste in their mouth. And once Vela's back and we have a Twesta back and hopefully we got a healthy Blackman and a better playing Nahar, that we can just figure it out and click at the right moment. Because the system is there. I know that we're going to have Bryce on later. That's another example of recruiting young and trying to integrate someone that can understand and play the system uh, to hopefully replace him in the players that we're talking about. So before we get into our interview with Bryce Duke, who is so gracious to join us today, uh, we do have an announcement. So if you follow us on social media at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms, we have a new partnership with our friend Sticks, and we are looking to raise some money for the Think Watts charity. Uh, in addition to that, we also have another charity item that we are going to be releasing as well in order to help the LAFC Foundation as well, too. So we have two scarves, not one, but two. Someone get JR on the phone. He's going to freak out. We got two <laughs> scarves coming out at the moment, the first of which is going to be a reissue of our classic gray scarf. A portion of the proceeds is going to go to the LAFC Foundation. We are not going to be making a dime on this. No. Yeah, let's let's make that clear. We well, we didn't make any money on our last set of scarves because a mix between giving them away, buying a large amount. These ones we're not making any money off of either. We, you know, half of the money is going to go to us to cover our costs. The other half is all going to be purely uh, purely donation. So we are not making a single dollar on any of these scarves. I think even after shipping, it might cost us a little bit to release <laughs> these, but we are happy to do this for the community. So the reissue of the gray scarf will be sold with the entire profit dedicated to the LAFC Foundation. And 
The big secret coming out of the bag right now. We have partnered with ThinkWatch to debut a beautiful new gold scarf, which we are very, very excited about. It's going to have shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder logo on one end. It's going to have the ThinkWatch logo on the other end. And a beautiful phrase from our intro song by our friend Sticks here, Together, This is Our Culture. I uh, haven't seen the pictures of it, which will hopefully be going around the interweb soon. This scarf is absolutely beautiful. And once again, 100% of the profit after cost is going to go to our friends at the Think Watts Foundation, just trying to find a way that we can help out our community. So keep your eye on social media for those two beautiful releases coming out here very, very soon. And uh, if uh, you're interested in, in getting one of these, you know, we uh, can hand deliver them to the people that are open to being um, hand delivered or we can mail them to you. Or if you want to, uh, you know, find a way for us to meet. I don't even know how we would do that. It's just, you know, people, you know, or, you know, it's a D9U and some of the other supporters have been going to the bank uh, on home matches and uh, they've been congregating at 39th and Fig, which is the parking lot to the north east and they've been uh cheering with their drums so if you ever go to those events i'm sure we can get jonathan to uh bring a couple of the scarves safely congregating with yeah. distance and max i might add for those of you who are concerned about our well-being uh yes a, a collection of us uh have been meeting outside the bank to just uh voice our support because in in these dark times that is one of the ways in which we get through and we found a way to do so safely, uh, respectfully, uh, and in a manner in which we are not worried about any sort of infectious disease spread. And it's been a real blessing to be able to have those moments to be able to go bank adjacent, north end adjacent, spread out across a parking lot six feet apart and be able to raise our voices for the team is a beautiful thing. But if uh, we uh, get a chance to bring some scarves down there to the next home game, we will do so as well, too. But Moreover, guys, we'd really like to help raise some money for some foundations and some charities that really need our support in this difficult year. So anything you guys can do to help support the LAFC Foundation with a gray scarf or support Think Watts with our new gold scarf that we'll be debuting this week, we would really, really appreciate your support there so that we can help these communities out. Well, it is uh, an absolute pleasure for us to have you on the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, of course. Anything for you guys. Why don't we roll this back to the very beginning? You start your football career in Arizona. Why don't you tell us how you fell in love with the beautiful game? Yeah, first I started playing when I was three years old. Dad put me in soccer. At the time, I guess I just didn't like it. I always wanted the ball at my feet and when I didn't have it at my feet I was throwing a fit getting mad all this stuff taking it from my teammates so we kind of went a different route so took a little break from soccer did uh bike racing just race bicycles with a couple of my best friends and did that until I was about six or seven years old and then I was like one day I was like hey dad like I want to try soccer again and in between that time I tried like t-ball and all these other sports but it just didn't just didn't hit the same as soccer did so when I was six or seven I went up to my dad and was like hey let's go back to soccer so went back to soccer joined a club Cisco small club in Arizona it's been around for a while though so I joined them and played there for a couple years probably until I was 13 12 13 maybe and then I joined a club called CCV it's a local uh church team near where I live. So 
I was there for a couple of years, went to regionals, won, I think, three state cups with them. And then after that, the team kind of broke broke up. Everyone went to college, and I was the only one that stayed back because we were playing with OOs at the time. But then I joined a little team called Alparaiso. I was only there for half a season, and then I moved to RSL when I was about 15, when they were back in Casa Grande. So I commuted for about four or five months, which is an hour, hour and 20 drive. So commuted there. And then when they moved from Casa Grande to Utah, I got the invitation to go over there. So when I was 15 and a half, 16, I'm moving out of the house by myself with just a couple of local teammates moving with me. So Moved to Utah when I was 15, 16. Stayed in a dorm full of 40 kids just running around having fun. And I was there for two years and I had a great time just making, building friendships and just having a great team and support around over there. But then a few years went by and just nothing was happening for me. So I decided to make a change. So I came back to Barca, which then took over our sales place in Casa Grande. So I was there for half a season. I lived actually up there instead of commuting. So I lived in a hotel for the six months. And then time went by and then we had a tournament in Florida. I played pretty well. Mike Sorber, our assistant coach, he was at a few games. I went to a scrimmage where I scored a goal from probably 30 out one time top right. So it was a good, it was a good time to uh, score a goal uh, like that in front of Mike. Luckily, he liked how I played, and after Florida showcase in December, I got in contact with Mike Sorber and John Thorrington, and yeah, come end of January, I was part of the Black and Gold family. So, and now we're here. So it's been a crazy journey in a short amount of time. It's amazing. You know, a lot of our listeners are not nearly experienced with what it's like to have children or be a part of an academy. Can you touch on what it's like to go from an academy team to an academy team and just trying to gel and and fit in with and find your role inside those academies? Yeah, I mean, everyone has their own type of pathway. Some guys go club, play high school, and then go college and then go pro from there. So there's not a specific pathway that kids nowadays have to take in order to go pro. For me, I felt like going to academy was my pathway. So um, just hopping around from academy to academy, I was at three of them. I mean, it's a blast. You make friendships outside of soccer, lifelong friendships, and just being around your teammates every day, um, it kind of builds a camaraderie that it's just something you won't get anywhere else. And I feel like when that happens, you're you as a team kind of gel together and you play much better when you're having fun. But yeah, I mean, it's not like you just go out into academy and then you could do whatever you want. You still have to be disciplined and focus on school. That was probably a tough thing when I was in Utah. We would train, think, seven in the morning and then go to school and then train at four four thirty p.m. right after we get done with school. So it was a tough schedule when I was in Utah. But I mean, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So you kind of just have to have the find the balance in both things because they're both very important but like I said everyone has their own type of pathway whether it's academy then straight to pro or academy then d1 college 
and then pro or even going D2 and then working your way up. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can become a pro if that's what you want. I think you shed some light on maybe what the pathway is in Europe and Latin America, uh, right, in terms of the academy system. Do you feel that pathway uh, allows you to become more independent earlier on in your life? Because, you know, you're kind of away from your family and have to learn to take care of yourself, you know, build trust and relationships with coaches and players. Can you talk a little bit more about what the pathway outside of the sport and outside of just having fun in the dorms, but like actually thinking about how you're going to eat, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I've been... I guess you can say I've been on my own since I was 15 and a half, 16. So when I have to move away from home, it's nothing new. I got used to it at a young age. But yeah, I mean, you kind of start relying on your friends to like come up with ideas for dinner and stuff. So when I was in RSL back in Utah, we would have Walmart trips every other week. So at first, yeah, we as kids would stack up on all this junk food and then we're kind of like, you know what, like we have to grow up now. Like we have to actually have meals for dinner. So we'd go out and buy steaks, chicken, whatever we could, pasta, and then cook it up when we're hungry. But for the most part over there, we were fed in the cafeteria and stuff. But yeah, I mean, going out to academy and kind of going out of your comfort zone and being on your own definitely makes you mature a lot quicker than being at home and kind of having your parents do everything for you and stuff like that. But yeah, soccer helps on the field and off the field as a player and as a person. So you kind of take little things as life lessons and um, kind of turn to your coaches as your parents and your mentors, because they're the ones that if you have something wrong, you go and talk to them if your teammates can't help you out. So that's kind of just the gist of it. So you scored this absolute screamer of a golazo in your tournament play down in Florida. And then you start to hear that there's interest from LAFC. Can you take us through your initial response to hearing that an MLS club was interested in you, what your awareness was of LAFC that time, and and how did that transpire until you put pen to paper for the Los Angeles Football Club? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy when I first flew back from Florida. Actually, I met with Mike in Florida. I kind of figured something was going on, but didn't have the full picture yet, but when I found out LAFC was interested in me, I've been watching them since they first came three years ago. Been the best team in the league um, ever since, and I like the style of play just because they play like how I like to play, and going from Barca to LAFC, it's a big jump from physicality-wise and playing with guys who are older than you, more experienced, and... um, yeah, that's that's one way of a bit of a big jump it was, but just like the style of play was very similar, so that wasn't much of a change for me, but yeah, when I heard LAFC was interested in me and wanted to sign me, I was like this is it. There's no other team I want to play for in the MLS than LAFC. So, when I finally got the contract and signed paper and pen and paper, I was I was super stoked, dream come true. And it actually happened in a little UPS store 10 minutes outside of Cassie Grand on my way back home because we had to pack and we had a flight that same night that I signed. So yeah, after I signed, it was a crazy, crazy 24 hours. You um, talk about, you know, the the big jump up to making to the professional level. And uh, I think that we all think I have, have seen that you have adapted very well. And that's evident in the fact that you've been able to see uh, playing time early on in your LAFC career. Can you talk about what it was like for you to make your debut so early on, right after signing? 
yeah, I mean, uh, it was crazy having to get the chance and opportunity to make my debut in a, in a Champions League game in Mexico. The atmosphere with all the fans down there was crazy. Of course, I'm nervous going in, but as soon as you step on the field, it's just soccer. So uh, you kind of have to get those nerves away in order to just kind of calm down and play. That's another thing that I'm working on is just getting uh, the nerves out of my system and just kind of focusing on and just thinking it's just another game that I'm playing and not kind of overthinking everything. So, but yeah, just having the opportunity to make my debut shortly after I signed was, was great. And of course it's still, I'm still learning, still working on things because there's, I got a long journey ahead to where I want to be. So a step-by-step we're going to get there. So, yeah. Very, very proud to have been one of those fans that marched through the streets of Leon to cheer for you there in Guanajuato. It was, uh, it was an amazing experience to be there, and uh, thank you for entertaining us there. So you make this unusual debut in, in a CONCA Champions game against a historic Liga MX side, Leon. Uh, then we dive into a season which has been anything but normal. Can you take us through what COVID-19 has been like as a player, both in the bubble, out of the bubble? How has it changed your routine, your lifestyle, your approach to the game? What has been different with COVID? Yeah, COVID definitely messed a few things up. That's an understatement. But for me, it was kind of tough because I felt like going from Champions League game and making my MLS debut and getting minutes, I started to get into the, the, the routine of everything. And then having COVID coming up and doing what it's been doing, it kind of, I don't want to say like distracted a lot of us or a lot of players in the, in the league, but it definitely had us take a step back and kind of like, well, what's happening? And our focus kind of goes somewhere else. Is our family okay? Are our friends okay? Stuff like that. Kind of making sure everything outside of soccer is, is going okay um, with the sickness. But for me, it was tough because I was starting to get in the routine of things and I just stopped out of nowhere. So trying to get back into the routine of things just like I was before. But yeah, I mean, just every day you see people wearing masks and you, you like somehow this is normal now, which is just weird to think. But our routines haven't really changed other than getting tested every other day, not being all touchy-touchy, like friendly with each other and messing around and making jokes and stuff like that. But just like little precautions that we've been taking, stuff like that. But we kind of picture it as everything's normal as much as we can and just focus on the soccer side of things. But, I mean, we never know what's going to happen nowadays. It seems like, you know, the season was definitely disrupted. Everyone's lives was disrupted. So you guys have found a way to adjust and find new routines in order to become a cohesive group again. The season's been kind of up and down for most teams, including LAFC. I think... The experience inside the bubble in Orlando was unique, I'd say. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then once you came back out, um, I also want you to touch on how you felt when you got your first start against RSL. You got your first minutes immediately after you were being signed. But now, you know, later on, you get a start because of, I think, uh, the frequent minutes. You, there's going to be more more people being asked to, to contribute in different ways. Yeah. The bubble was definitely something we had to get used to. I mean, being in a hotel for a month, month and a half is definitely something that not a lot of us guys want to do. Everyone's kind of isolated. It just feels like everyone's separated as a team, which was tough. We only get to see each other during meals and team meetings and stuff like that. So 
it was definitely something we had to get adjusted to. Having to get tested again every other day, this time up the nose, which was not fun, but we had to do it. But the biggest thing for us was going into the tournament with the same mentality we've had before COVID hit, which was just go out, work hard, and just get the W. So we were definitely on the right track, had a few hiccups, unfortunately lost to Orlando, which, I mean, it, it happens. Not every team can win every single game, but yeah, that was Orlando. And then it was sad that we couldn't win, but it was also a relief that we got to go back and start training and working hard and getting focused for whatever was yet to come. So now we have this season where it's split up into different parts, games, are into different sections and stuff like that but yeah so Orlando was definitely something out of the ordinary and then to the other question which was the start uh, against RSL that was really fun for me because it's against my old team so I know a lot of the people that I that were watching the game in this in the fan section and stuff was that were I've played with them. Uh, they were my old teammates, old friends, stuff like that. So it was cool to play in front of them. My family actually flew up and watched that game. So that was cool as well. But just having the coaches trust that at such a short amount of time I've been here that I can go out and start, which is super cool. Something I won't forget ever just because of old team that I played against, new team, first career start. Fortunately, we didn't get the result on my first start, but it is what it is. We got to keep grinding and uh, stay focused. You know, we want to thank you again, Bryce, for spending your time with us. And we're coming up short to the end of the interview. And we just have two more questions for you. You know, the club right now has been in a bit of an inconsistent at the moment. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, good performances from LAFC. And then we see some performances where it's not been our, our best on the pitch. What details as part of your game are you working on at the moment? And what is the club working on at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's something that we we don't even know what's happening, really. It's crazy how we can go from winning 5-6-0 to losing 2-1 to San Jose. So it's something that we definitely have to get adjusted to. And uh, the only thing that we can do is just play our way out of it. So nothing's going to change overnight. We're just in a stretch that... We have to go and out and find ourselves again and just play our style of football and not change anything. Don't let any team come out and change the way we play. Just we got to stick to our game plan and everything will sort itself out. But yeah, as a team, for us, set pieces, we're working on set pieces. We've conceded a lot of goals on set pieces. So we're working on what our best way to defend set pieces is. Transitions from offense to defense, defense to offense, stuff like that. And then also just the small little things where our first touches are connecting passes, stuff like that. So we've been keeping the same style of play and that's not going to change. It's just the small little details that we have to figure out and stay consistent with. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us this evening. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We do have one final question for you, a question we ask every guest on this show. And it's the title of our show, sir. What does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? Shoulder to shoulder means a lot to not just me and not just the team, everything to from me to the team, to the supporters, the community, everyone who is with us at LAFC. It means to me that no matter what, if we're going ups and downs, that no matter what, all the supporters are going to be always together. I mean, we're 
going through a tough stretch right now, just like right now. There's nobody bashing us and saying, oh, what, like, all this bad stuff. We're getting support from our supporters, which is what we need. And everyone's right next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, supporting everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a big statement and something that our club thrives on because we're family orientated. So, uh, yeah, shoulder to shoulder is uh, something that definitely brings us all together. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. Of course, the man who wears his age, number 19 on the pitch, number one in your hearts, Mr. Bryce Duke, and also has perhaps the best blue steel of anyone in the MLS, I must say. Uh, You kill it. You have a future out there if, if MLS doesn't pan out for you, my friend, which we sincerely hope it does. So. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Uh, It has been our absolute pleasure to have you. On behalf of Chris Christian and myself, Jonathan, thank you, sir, so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Nice meeting you guys. I'm sure I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to uh, finally meet him in in person once this is all over and done with. And, uh, you know, it'll be great, man. Good luck on the future games that are coming up. And uh, we're rooting for you. Yeah, thank you. We're missing you guys at the stadium. Yeah, we miss, we miss yeah. being there, that's for sure. Yeah. So, thank you again. Yeah, all right. See you guys later. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode. If you're interested in either of our charitable scars, please reach out to us on social media at LAFCS2S. Once again, thank you to Bryce Duke for joining us this week. Take us home, Sticks. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that. Bitch.